What's up, Internet? My name's David Webb. I get nerdy nightly. And as always, I thought I would share it with you. I'm going to start this off by saying I haven't been doing a good job of getting nerdy every night. I'm not going to lie. Been real busy. Been mostly getting nerdy in the mornings before work, which is fine. But I am, I'm really behind at the moment. Um, there has been a lot coming out that I have not seen. I've only seen the first episode of Punisher season two. Need to catch up on that. I have not yet seen Umbrella Academy. I haven't actually watched any of the episodes of the CW shows since the Crisis crossover. So I've missed everything since, you know, the beginning of January. Um, and I don't know when I'm going to catch up. Life is a busy, busy thing. And I am at this point, you know, I'm just trying to keep up on the movies. I'm going to try and see Alita this week before the weekend when we have How to Train Your Dragon 3 coming out, which I'm super excited about. Uh, very uh, happy for Alita that it's not a total bomb. I was a little worried, but, you know, it made decent money, open number one, and it is going to do well in China, I think. I am of the opinion that it's going to do really well in China. The uh, movie's going to have to be saved there, though, because it's not going to make enough here. I, I think it'll cross $100 million, uh, in America. It's already at, like, $150 million worldwide, so it'll probably do decently. I just hope it's not a huge flop because I would like to see more. Well, actually, I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I can't say that I want to see more of that. I, I just don't like when things fail, <laughs> especially when things have Mahershala Lee in them and fail because he's he's just so damn talented. He's so good, you guys. I love him in every single thing he does. I am rooting for him this Sunday at the Oscars. Which I won't be watching live because I'm going to be working. Such is life. Um, the the surprise of the weekend was Happy Death Day to you. Uh, I I can't believe it didn't do better considering how much the first one's beloved. Uh, and I kind of think that might have a lot to do with just the shift in genre that the second one goes for, taking that horror comedy vibe from the first and adding in some definitely new sci-fi elements um i think the second one is a lot harder to market than the first and it showed and i think it shows in the box office i think that happy death day to you is going to be one of those movies that people really liked the first one but weren't sure about the second one so they waited till it was on vod and in like six months People are going to be talking about the movie going, I can't believe, you know. Although I, I don't think, maybe people don't do that anymore. I don't think people have the attitude of like, I can't believe I missed it in theaters anymore. Because we're so accustomed to watching things streaming. So they're going to be like, yeah, I saw it. You have to go on Netflix and check out Happy Death Day to you. And I hope that the producers of that movie, <laughs> I was about to say, hope they make money in the long run. But it's it's um, Bloomhouse, so the budget was so small they're going to make money. It's fine. Their business model is remarkable. You might have noticed we didn't go right into the theme song after I said I wanted to share my nerdy nightliness with you. And that's because, guys, I have another guest on the podcast today. How exciting is that? My friend Savannah Fraser came on to talk about her new web series, Cuddle. Uh, the first two episodes of which are up on Vimeo. And I would encourage you to go watch it. I went to the premiere here in New York at Spoon Fed, this delightful uh, NOLA style restaurant and it's really good it's a lot of fun it is about professional cuddling which Savannah and I get into in this episode and it made me think about you know the nerdy nightly podcast and the the kinds of people I bring on and where I want it to go you know who I want to bring on and I don't really want this to be a podcast that is limited in scope uh, I have this belief that everyone can get nerdy about something and just because someone isn't working in superhero tv shows or you know um video games or comic books that you know there's no room for them here i, I want to talk with people about what they get nerdy about e especially actually if it's things that maybe i don't get nerdy about i would love to have someone help me get nerdy about something new 
So in the future, you know, you might be seeing a lot of people on here who are not necessarily like comic book nerds, not the kind of people you would see at Comic-Con, but they get nerdy nightly about their thing. And I want to hear about it. Uh, so I really hope you enjoy this interview with Savannah Fraser, and I hope you check out Cuddle on Vimeo. It's uh, available now, the first two episodes. I'm going to put the link in my uh, Instagram, at uh, Nerdy Nightly, uh, the Facebook, at Nerdy Nightly, and uh, the Twitter, at Nerdy Nightly. I hope you go follow, subscribe, like on those platforms. Uh, subscribe here, subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, that's also nerdy nightly. I'm going to start posting some stuff there very soon. I'm very excited I'm building towards that at the moment. And as always, the music on this episode is made by Alex Levitt at a Levitt on Instagram. Check him out. He is an incredible person, a great friend, and I am so grateful to him for being a part of this journey with me. Anyway, here is Savannah Fraser. Enjoy. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you... So, I guess you'll just lead it. You'll just journey with me. Or we'll just talk. Okay, great. <laughs> Off as to we, a great start. As we, sip, as we sip together our coffee. What's up, Savannah Fraser? How are you doing? Good. Thanks for coming to Harlem. Thanks for having me. Haven't been in this borough in a while. Oh, really? Um, but what the, a journey. The entirety of Manhattan? Oh, yeah, I guess. This this upper borough. <laughs> What's it called now? NoHo? So, solo? No, I think no this low is called so Hamilton Heights. Oh, my God, you guys. Come on now. I know. I, I have a manager at my restaurant who gets mad because he's from... Har- he, like, grew up in Harlem. So he's like, it's, he's like Harlem. it's Harlem. And I was like, yeah, but Harlem... Like, my, my defense of that is always that Harlem is giant. Yeah. And so you have to divide it into little Because I've, I've lived in different parts of Harlem. And yeah. They all have, like, littler names. Yeah. Not little. They all have like, you know, regional names yeah, regional. so that people are like, oh, right, right. That's the train I have to take to get to Yeah. You. Okay. That, okay. That, yeah. That gets people into the mindset of like yeah. figuring out what transit they're doing. That makes sense. You say Hamilton Heights, you know, it's like the 145th stop on the yeah. one or the A. Yeah. But like I lived in Spanish Harlem for a... Which is way east. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I lived off the 456 and no one who's listening to this outside of New York City has any idea what we're talking about. Um, so you... I just want to say I'm very proud of you because you made you. something, which is why you're here to talk about what you made. Um, and you know, I, I know how hard it is to make anything in New York city just yeah. because getting people together to make something is impossible, which it's is why so I do a podcast by myself. Um, <laughs> yay. David plays uh, all the parts. I try. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I really like, I, I saw you post that you'd made this thing. And yeah. I wanted to just kind of talk to you about what that process was like, what that uh, f- night was like on Tuesday, Tuesday, Monday, Monday. God, Monday. I was so glad I got to come. Oh my God. Um, and I was, I was also very proud of you <laughs> then. <laughs> that I didn't that was, explode. It was kind of a nightmare. Oh my God. What a journey we went on. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was. None I of your tech worked. I learned so much. Mm-hmm freak accidents happen and then you're like oh okay well how can i adapt to this situation rather than completely implode and potentially burst into flame Mm -hmm. um because the projector wasn't working the projector wasn't working, so we tested it this is a totally inconsequential story but very briefly we tested it in the afternoon it was working perfectly and i was like great you tested it we tested it because i i heard a story at that party because everyone, we, there was like a rumor mill going around <laughs> the side of the party that you weren't on. I'm crying. In that like dining room. And they're like, she broke it intentionally <laughs> to keep us here. No, the story I heard was that they told you that they tested it. No, we tested it together. You, okay, so you so you saw it work. Cuddle, we tested it. Okay, so this is a web series. Yeah. So we're trying okay, to watch well, on a projector. <laughs> okay, so the projector. Trying to make this make sense for people who are listening to this audio podcast. Who were uh, not at the event that we're talking about. Who were not there about. at all. So I pretty married a web series. Uh, on Monday called cuddle. And so we tested the projector earlier in the day and the projector is connected to the main TV in the bar, which is then connected to house sound. Mm-hmm. So everything was working. The only thing that wasn't working when I was there was like, he's, he had to change wires for the sound. He was like, I'll change the wires and then it'll all be there. I was like, great. 
So one hang out with my family, take a shower, come back, got there an hour early mm-hmm. to just settle in. And I see that the projector is disassembled. I'm like, this can't be good. None of this looks right. It's not good. So, and I told myself, you don't need to be drinking until after the sh- after a cuddle happens. You know, enjoy it, mingle, whatever. So That was also a mistake. Yeah. So, I was resisting <laughs> drinking and I knew I wanted to like congratulate myself with a glass of wine afterwards. And so the projector's disassembled and I go to Randy, who's a delightful manager of Spoonfed. Um, which, sir, if you're listening, I love you and I just treasure your heart. And I'm... also, how did you find this? <laughs> no offense, but Randy does not how, seem like the kind of person who podcast? seeks out the Nerdy Nightly podcast. Uh, how did you find this podcast? Uh, so disassembled, and apparently the bulb had fallen out of the projector when he hooked up the sound, and so the bulb broke. And then he went into their technic or their their technical storage unit in the basement of this restaurant and got another bulb put it in and it didn't fit. So then they went on bnh.com to see if the model number was correct and the model number was correct and the bulb was supposed to fit, but for some reason it was not. And Questionable. so then I was like, okay, so can I go to B&H? He's like, it closed 10 minutes ago. I was like, fuck. Can I cuss on this? Sure. Fuck. <laughs> so I was like, fuck. And so I was like, okay, you know what, Savannah? It's going to be fine. Like, we'll make a we'll make a bulb or whatever. So my mind's starting to spin all these potential things I could do. And I just started to take a deep breath and realize that things really are, at the end of the day, in all days, in all ways, out of my control. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only control myself. And even sometimes that's a journey. Mm-hmm. And so I just started to give in and surrender to the moment and realize that my stress isn't going to help anything. Mm-hmm. It's not going to actually make anything happen that isn't already happening. Um, so eventually, long story short, we ended up screening it on the large TV at the bar, Mm -hmm. which ended up being fine and adorable. And we only lost like five people. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that was a learning lesson for me. It was mostly the baby that had to go home. The baby was gone. That damn baby. That damn baby. That damn baby. Anyway. That baby was good though. Yeah. Very well behaved. That baby was very loud bar. Incredibly. Not making any noise. That's the, the male leads kid adam bradley's child adam bradley plays lucas who is my boo in the series you're very rich boo my boo boo my trust fund baby you married rich congrats in 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 the show yeah in the show yeah Yeah, i'm not married (laughs) i'm in love with a man but i'm not married uh a man's man a man's man yeah he's a he's a big boy it's a tall drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was very impressed with how you were handling the situation. I could feel everyone else's stress. Because I was looking at you and I felt like I was having more anxiety than <laughs> you, you were. were. That's the thing is that everyone was. Well, I, I just, I, so I used to do bar trivia. Yeah. I used to host like bar trivias in Brooklyn. Okay. And so there was just part of me that was like, I've, I've dealt with every projector <laughs> and sound issue. <laughs> known to man walking into random so i was like i just i kept i came up i think twice like can i can i try oh. and fix this because like th- this is my jam oh i did this for two years and like and so many people were and yeah. poor randy i also i'm an empath and mm-hmm. so i'm really sensitive to like the stress of other people it really deeply affects me and i could feel his complete sadness and fear and mm-hmm. upset and he ended up comping my entire bill and not charging me for the space that night. Really? Yes. He was like, I'm not charging you for this. I'm so sorry this happened. He like handled it like a true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I gave the bartender like 150 bucks because I was like, yeah. you deserve to be tipped. But, um, yeah. Well, I, I will say though, the, he handled it well with the crowd too. Like I was really yeah. impressed because if I don't do well in high stress situations yeah. like that, uh, and he, I could, you know, you could tell by the way he was moving around the room that he was stressed out about it. Yeah. But every time he was talking, like he did, a, he handled it well from the face yeah. out. You know what I mean? And he wasn't short with people. He wasn't short with me when okay. I asked. He was really trying to do his best. So freak accidents, but. Uh, so you and I met. Cha. Uh, doing Wonderful Town, a lovely musical, um, in the off Broadways of New York City. Yeah. Um, Acorn Theater, right? A- Acorn? No, the Lion. The Lion Theater, yes. The Lion. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if you're watching The Masked Singer, but The Lion's my favorite. No. Um, it's it's the weirdest television show in the history of the world. I'm going to add it to the list. It's celebrities wear masks and sing, and you have to guess who the celebrities are. What? It, it feels... This is incredible. It feels like a TV show out of a dystopian sci-fi world where they're like, 
they watch this weird reality show and you're like, no one in, on earth would ever actually watch that. And then they just made it. And I'm it's like, oh, it's, it's, I, I'm looking this up today. Yeah. Terry Bradshaw was on it as the stag. It's a whole thing. Oh my God. Anyway. Uh, so you and I met music doing musical theater yes. and I, I, I've never actually seen you like do TV film. Yeah. So is, is that something you're like very interested in? How, wh- how did you lead yourself to like, I want to make a web series for me? Well, so I originally went to school for opera. I thought all I wanted to do was sing. Same. Um, went to, had a full ride to, to school um, at OU, University of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Got there, realized, actually, this isn't really what I want. Um, I was minoring in French which was great, but I was also like, I'm missing acting and missing dance and mm-hmm. all these things. So I ended up transferring to AMDA for musical theater here. And all through college, I really felt like musical theater was going to be it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still love it. It's my first love, and it's always going to be something I want to do and, and continue to pursue. But when I got out of college, I did a lot of Shakespeare originally. I did some opera, and I did musical theater. Mm-hmm. But I started to quickly realize that I wasn't, a typical cast for a lot of things. I was a little too tall. I was getting weird feedback like, your soul is too old for this ingenue role. And frankly, I started to kind of fall in love with character roles. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of just, I don't know. I'm kind of into like the weird, like featured extra role that has like all the laughs or the sidekick role or something. I started, my, my interest started to change. And again, there are still roles, of course, that I want to do, um, big leading roles that I want to do. Like Liza Doolittle is always going to be something I want to do. However, in the last couple of years, I started to take a lot of TV and film class. I did a lot of student films starting five years ago and felt really comfortable in my skin on film. And just, uh, even in TV auditions, I feel really peaceful. I don't feel stressed out. I don't feel worried that I know the lines or don't. I don't feel scared about, my voice or scared about a table in front of me, you know, either eating lunch while I'm singing or writing down whatever they're going to do later that day. Like, so my, my enjoyment of TV and film started to increase a lot. And then this idea just sprung out of nowhere almost three years ago now, watching a documentary, a British documentary about intimacy issues. Cause that's what me and Kyle do. <laughs> we watch strange documentaries and eat pad thai. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were like coming out and saying that you have intimacy issues. So I was like, <laughs> I, I, Kyle, okay, wow, this now's is... the time I'm going to reveal. No. Um, I mean, who doesn't at the end of the day, but no, Kyle and I are obsessed with documentaries. So yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of what we do, we're very homebody. So we'll just like watch documentaries and eat pad thai or whatever. And I so, think the documentary phase is the second year of every relationship. It is. Yeah, yeah. The first year is like, we're going to spend money out. And then you quickly realize like, Actually, I can get both of our dinners for $25. Oh, yeah, yeah, And watch something for free, technically, or, you know. Um, and then third year is when you realize that you could cook. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully, you've realized that earlier, but... Mm, no, probably okay. not. <laughs> Great. David just revealed his truth. Um, so, yeah. So, I started watching this web series about professional... It, so, they mentioned professional cuddling. And I was like what? That this is not real. What is this? This is garbage. And I was like, no way. This is a real thing. And so Kyle went to bed and I stayed up and like researched this. I was like, I got to know about this. And I just couldn't stop reading or watching videos about it. And it's fascinating. And so I started writing that night and quickly over the course of like three months wrote a whole season, mm-hmm. um, eight episodes. And then started to unpack it and storyboard it with my professor from college, Jason Chayet, who's a film director, writer, human producer. Um, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so in your research, did you ever go and cuddle with a professional cuddler? I did. You did? I had a professional cuddling session. Um, actually, what was that experience like? Uh, it was eye-opening in so many ways. I always thought I was a vulnerable person. Um, I still think compared to most, I am pretty vulnerable. And on stage, I feel very vulnerable. But I, it was absolutely unnerving and in moments terrifying to mm-hmm. me. Um, so the, the exercise is very, it's not, I think when people hear professional cuddling, they hear cuddling, spooning, uh, holding romantic 
notions. And I think the distinction needs to be made just for anyone who has never heard of this before. That professional cuddling is a therapy practice. It's about being present for someone else and available for someone else. And it's a non-sexual practice at whatsoever. There's no sex. There's no kissing. There's no... None of that. Um, the experience was amazing. Uh, a professional cuddler who I interviewed, who I, whose name I won't reveal because I don't know if she wants to be revealed. Um, I found her on Facebook because I read a New York Times article about her. And I was like, I wonder if The this- New York Times article helps. But finding yeah. a professional cuddler yeah. on Facebook, uh, I, I did do air quotes. Yeah. Uh, that's sketchy as hell. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found this article on her. And I read it, and she is a chef at night, and she's a professional cuddler during the day. I was like, that is fascinating. That's crazy. And so I, I messaged her and was like, hey, I'm developing or developing something. Would you be interested in having an interview with me? And she responded within the next 24 hours and was like, I would love to do an interview with you. So glad you're writing about this. Um, had a FaceTime interview with her for about an hour and took notes, asked her tons of questions, and then she offered me a free session. Oh, wow. um, she was like, listen, I'm, I would love to give you a free session um, so you can experience this. And it was really interesting. She sent me a full list of questions that I had to answer. So she treated me like a new client, essentially. Um, and gave me a rundown of the protocol, what's required, what's absolutely a no, what, is, um, what, it, what are the expectations, per, per se. And so we had this interview, um, over, you know, me answering these questions and then she came to my apartment. Um, and what's really interesting that I found interesting that's incorporated in episode three is that both the cuddler and the cuddlist have to be in clean clothes, changed and covered. So you can't be in underwear. You can't be in dirty clothes. You can't be in PJs. You can't be topless, male or female, um, and they prefer it to be on a couch, on the floor, or on some kind of padded environment. Beds are not necessary. They're definitely fine if you're comfortable with that. So I have a couch um, in my apartment. And I was I started to get so nervous. Like, I was like, oh my god, what if I cry? What if I, like, don't know how to handle it? What if, what if I do something wrong? What if I accidentally laugh in an inappropriate time? Or like, you know, and so we sat down facing each other and she said something to the effect of um welcome to the space thank you for having me um i want you to know that this is your time whatever you need um ask for it if i'm not able to give it to you i will say no if we do something you're not interested in or is uncomfortable to you we stop immediately she was so accommodating and wonderful and um so essentially we started with a hug so an extended hug. And you know you hug people and you're like, hey, and it's a squeeze or whatever. Some people don't even hug people. I hug people. I love hugging people. But we hugged for 11 and a half minutes and I started to feel so um, peaceful, but at the same time, so emotional. Like I felt like my heart was resisting it initially, no, I felt like my heart was giving it to it initially. And then as it started to prolong, I felt resistance. Like it's too long. Um, she doesn't want to hug you the song. Like you're, you're wasting time. You're, and all these weird things started popping up. And then our second exercise was I laid in her lap and she played with my hair. Um, and I did that because my mom used to play with my hair as a kid. And it's a very nostalgic feeling to me. Um, and so she started to play with my hair and then Questions started to arise and conversations started to arise, but she also started to um, do a humming sound and just very gentle hums. And my eyes started to close and I got really still and really peaceful and like restful. And we did that for almost 20 minutes. And then the third exercise, which is featured in episode two, was holding eye contact. Um, and it's called Goodbye Hello. And it's, you sit across from someone, you look into their eyes, palm, one, one of your palms is up, one of your palms is down, and you make it an infinity, infinity circle with your hands. So the other person does the opposite. So mm-hmm. you're kind of holding hands, but not really. Mm-hmm. 
And you hold eye contact for as long as you can. So we did it for 12 minutes. And she said, um, if you need a break, you said goodbye. You say goodbye and you close your eyes. And when you're ready, you say hello and you open your eyes. And I love eye contact. I always have. But I started to get absolutely terrified. Mm-hmm. Like I started to see myself in her eyes and my brain went, what does she think about you? Are you weird? Are you being strange? Is she, are you scaring her? Is she scaring you? And all these like random anxieties came to my mind. And so I did goodbye a lot and I started to cry and she was like, it's okay. Like if this is too much, we can stop. Um, but she said, I just want you to like acknowledge that all the reactions you're having are beautiful and normal, whatever that means and valuable. And like, just observe that and know that I'm here for anything. Hmm. And so we did that and that was our whole session. I feel like I would be sitting there thinking like, I think I can, I think I can go longer without blinking than you. And I would just stare at her like, I'm not blinking. Yeah. I'm a champion, not blinker. And so here's the thing is that these cuddlers go through intensive training. Mm -hmm. Um, Their vulnerability and openness level is skyrocketed. Oh, really? Her ability, she didn't blink barely at all. She, her smile and her eyes were so present and open that I felt so intimidated in moments. Mm -hmm. Like, I couldn't, not that I couldn't compete, but I started to be like, oh my gosh, I can't offer this to you. Like, you're offering this to me. And it was a really amazing lesson in human connection and relationship and Mm -hmm. it's not always going to be equal and it's about give and take and like one person carries the weight sometimes for other people and these people are amazing they carry they hold space for people who are struggling and they're present and they don't shy away it's blew my mind i so i i had a cuddling session in japan yeah because this woman walked up to me on the street and was like cuddles yes and i was like what yes and she in very 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 few words uh managed to kind of explain the concept to me and i i was i was a little intoxicated at this point (laughs) at three o'clock in the afternoon crying um and so i just was like yeah okay and it was a very different experience just because i we had you know it was it was more cuddling traditional cuddling yeah. than like sitting there staring at each other yeah. um just because japanese culture culture has some intimacy issues at the moment oh it's fascinating um, have it's you watched a documentary on netflix which um, one i think it's called love and sex in japan or love and no i haven't i should though i might be misquoting the title it is incredible yeah it's incredible interesting. they're having it's the only country i've ever heard of trying to get its people to have more sex which is a weird yeah once they're married, the mother typically sleeps with the children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also the women in the culture aren't having sex with men right now because if you get pregnant, you're basically taken out of the workforce. And so women are prioritizing so their careers over having children. Fascinating, isn't it? And so people aren't dating. So I they know. have this like this generation of people who yeah. are turning 30 without kids. And the country's like, hey, our economy needs you to have children. It's uh, fascinating. Yeah. It's a weird... Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Oh my God. Um, and their intimacy issues are, it's very, it's weird. Uh, yeah. and you see it like yeah. being there. I saw it. it. I hope I'm not offending anyone by saying that, but no, I think it's a well-known, it's yeah. sort of, it's sort of public knowledge. Um, my brother studied abroad there and, uh, for six months and felt totally the same way. But yeah, so I, I, I sort of like on a whim ended up cuddling this random yeah. woman on a cot in a storefront Incredible. in Incredible. Tokyo. Uh, it was a weird it was a weird 30 minutes. So of my what life. was your experience? And was it I, my experience was odd because okay. I love cuddling. Okay. But I'm a very physical. I'm 6 foot 4. Yeah. I'm, you know, over yeah. I, at that point I was you know, 70 pounds heavier than I am now. Yeah. I was 265. Yeah. And I cuddle like a bear. Yeah, the videos you see of like giant dogs just laying on people. Um that's me. Um Great. Yeah, and I've somehow managed to find women in my life who like that version of cuddling, where it's sort of like being assaulted. It's um, incredible. Not not assaulted. That's that's too hard to work. <laughs> it's very kind. Yeah. Um. You don't. It, you're not meaning to 
cast harm on someone. It's just no, like, no, no. I just you, like you I, love cuddling, and I'm yeah. I just happen to be you know 150 pounds yeah. heavier than most of the people yeah. I cuddle with. Incredible. Um, <laughs> so it was, it, I, I, it was the first time I was ever cuddling with someone where I was like, oh, I have to like really hold back because I didn't want to yeah. like envelop this small Japanese woman and make her yeah. uncomfortable. Now, did she um, go by, did she follow the techniques? Of, probably not. Yeah. I, it was mostly like we laid on this cot and cuddled for 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I wonder and then if it's I just awkwardly different... left. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, crazy. I didn't know if I should tip. There's not a lot of tipping in Japan. You don't tip at restaurants or anything. No. But that, that was, I think that might be the only time I tipped in Japan because I was like, I feel like. Yeah, you're like, I, I like kind is, of used you. Maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. So, you went from that to, you wrote the series. Yes. Um, and then, how did you, like, writing something and then deciding to self-produce yeah. and finance, yeah. particularly finance a show in New York City, is yeah. a big step. It's a journey. And it's, and for our, us, you yeah. know, for artists, uh, it's also a decision to block off a Other significant things. amount of your life yeah. for something that you're not going to financially profit off of in yeah. any way. Yeah. In, initially. Yeah. Um, so how was that decision for you? Um, well, Jason Chayet, who's uh, the teacher I mentioned before who helped me, he had been developing it with me and... Honestly, I got so excited about it that I didn't really think about the sacrifices that it would expect from me. Um, also, Kyle was like, we'll just do it. We'll just make it happen. He was originally going to play my boyfriend in the series, but mm-hmm. he had to book Hamilton. Ugh. Ugh. Um, babe. Uh, yeah, so he was like... This is, you need to do this. He was like, you have to do this. Like, we will figure it out. We will make this happen for you. Um, I, Jason was also like, he makes movies. He's an independent filmmaker as well. And he said, there are ways to make this happen that don't, that aren't going to completely deplete your funds. Mm-hmm. There's crowdfunding. Seed and Spark is what we use for our crowdfunding platform. They're amazing. So helpful. They give you so many tips how to market yourself. Um, you kind of have to pass a test. You have to have so many things ready for your online profile before they, like, launch you. They Mm -hmm. want you to be stepping forward with your best foot. Um, And so the storyboard was finished. I started to compile a list, a team of people that I knew I wanted to work with, both actors and crew. Um, Some of my crew I'd worked with before. Most of them were new to me through recommendations from people that I trusted, be it teachers or professionals, uh, crew professionals. And... Yeah, I sort of, I, I made my whole wall in my living room a post-it wall, and I just had a storyboard on one side and what I needed, like, mm-hmm. both financially and um, a list of items I literally needed. Mm-hmm. Like, I need uh, a whole crew, but I also need equipment, mm-hmm. and I need lighting, and I need gaffing materials, and I need a truck, a cargo van. Um, and then I started to list places I needed to get, like a bar scene, a cafe, a street, an apartment. And I think once you, at least for me, once I am able to see everything and I take it out of my mind and put it on a tangible piece of paper or in a notebook of some kind, Mm -hmm. I start to realize that it is very achievable. It's just, it's as you look at it, you start to realize, okay, so there's going to be sacrifice here. Mm -hmm. You approximate the cost Personally, I spent $3,000 of my own money. Kyle spent almost $3,000. That's love. Um, yeah, that's love. And, you know, he supports me in everything constantly. Mm-hmm. But he... Um, and also, we're really grateful to Hamilton because it wouldn't have happened without Hamilton, mm-hmm. period. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, I made my own one-woman show. I spent money on that. I, I've never been stingy with money when it comes to art Mm -hmm. or making something i really only spend money on travel groceries and making things i don't buy clothes really um i don't i'm not like a jewelry person i don't know so i'm really good at saving and i just determined i was determined to save Mm -hmm. the amount of money i needed and i'm not gonna lie though this last year was really hard it was hard um i had to give up a lot of things that i wanted to do i didn't really audition for musical theater Um, I worked a lot to save money and I sacrificed, 
potential things I could have done um, and spent money on to do this. But at the end of the day, I'm glad I did. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so then moving into your filming process. Yes. Who you had a director? You didn't direct, self direct. I did direct. Oh, you did. Um, I thought I met your director at your party. You might have met my AD or my PM, mm, production manager. Who was it? A girl or guy? No, it was an older guy. Oh, he was my director from Apple Tree. Oh, from he Apple directed Tree. me in Apple oh, Tree. Okay, Ray okay. Roderick. I'm sorry, that was probably really confusing. Yeah, no, no. I yeah, introduced yeah. to me as your director, or I think oh. you said you're, this is my director, and I was like, oh, I. I, oh, I probably said my favorite director. So you directed or it yourself. I self-directed it. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Um, so I, I was going to be like, "What was it like to like make this and then hand it off?" But you didn't. You yeah, yeah. Like, I, I took on the reins. Originally, I did not want to direct. I was but, terrified. But you never directed film before. No. What was that like? I'm assuming your first AD was your. My first AD was my godsend. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, to be honest with you, my crew just jumped in with both feet. Mm-hmm. I, if whatever I needed. If it was, even if it wasn't in their job title, they were like, we're, we got you. We're here. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you have to in independent film. There's not enough you people. Have to, so, yeah. But you know what? A lot of people aren't willing to do that mm-hmm. um, in my experience. So I, I lucked out. My AD um, and kind of my PM, she was both, was Nyla Moon. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. She's in grad school right now at the new school for um, film. Cool. She's super rad. She writes her own stuff. Um, she's an incredible person, and she helped me a lot. But what I came to realize on set was because I was doing so much, I produ- I was producing it, I wrote it, directed it, and acted in it. I didn't have a lot of time to freak out about anything. Um, I didn't think about my acting at all. It was the least of my concerns, which is refreshing. As an actor, we're constantly observing ourselves or can constantly observe ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have time for that. Um, so the directing thing, it's really weird. It's my first time. I've directed theater before. Um, like readings, but I'd n- I've never directed film. I've never directed full production of anything. And I learned as I went. Mm-hmm. Um, I see images. I, I know what I want everything to look like. I know very clearly what I want it to look like. I don't yet know the vernacular to describe it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that is what I'm on the journey with right now is, okay, so you know what you want it to look like. You know what you want it to sound like. So how do you articulate that? to a cast and crew in a way that's understood and um, precise. And mm-hmm. so that's been, that was a huge learning process for me. Um, and I'm really thankful to my director of photography, Fernando Martinez, because he guided me um, in that as well on set. Mm-hmm. But directing sort of uh, happened. It just kind of sort of happened to me. Yeah, anyway. I, I think that never stops, though. I think, yeah, like... totally. You know, I, I spend a lot of time doing background work on, you know, big projects in the city. That was a great way to learn. That was everything. my job in college because yeah. I was so flexible on my yeah. school schedule. And I'm SAG, so, like, yeah. the money's stupid for it's what you do. It's great for you guys. Oh, my God. It's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, the, the number of directors I watched, like, look at a frame and go, I need it to be prettier. Yeah. And the cinematographer is the one that has to go, okay. Yeah. What do I tell the lighting people to do? Yeah. Because, you know, the director, like, you know. That's need, a really good thing to I, remember. Like, Thank you for saying that. Like, well, but a lot of, you know, especially directors who don't go to film school. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you can be an incredible director and not have that technical knowledge. That's true. Because, you know, as long as you have a cinematographer who has that knowledge and you two work very well together. Yes. It's, it's not so much about yeah. that for that job. It's really about painting the larger picture. Yeah. And, Having the images. I would rather have a really good cinematographer worry about the vernacular and have a really good yes. director worry about, like, the emotional beats of this story yes. coming across. And I'm voracious for information, so when I'm thrown into something new, I want to know everything right away. Mm-hmm. And I think that, what you just said, and also advice from other people is, like, let it all come when it comes. Like, mm-hmm. it, it'll... You're going to grow into that. And... um Directing is really interesting. I think it's really, it makes total sense that so many actors do it because mm-hmm. it takes a brain that works like an actor, mm-hmm. I think, because it's like you see the image, you want to convey emotion, you want the emotional journey to make sense and be accessible for people. And I think as an actor, our job is making the emotional journey of our character accessible for someone. Totally. You know, and so it's very similar methods i also think that most of us are slightly control freaks 
Totally. A little bit. A little bit about this life is like that oh, like I'm impulse to be in charge totally of everything. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um what what were the hardest parts of filming in New York City? Because I, I saw you guys filmed on a subway platform. Yeah, that was a journey. Um, did you did I, you gorilla that or what we did gorilla you get that? The, mm-hmm. I sent my uh I, the only people I had on the subway platform were my sound guy, Travis Jones, my DP, um my assistant and myself and my other fellow actor. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want any, none of this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, and we also picked subways that would allow us to sort of, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah that's know. a weird crunch time. You have to, we, you kind of have to get everything done in two takes, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and as a person who wants to accommodate other people, I, I was very sensitive and aware of like, I want my actors to feel comfortable. Do they feel like they're being illegal? I don't want them to feel like they're being illegal. So it's like a weird thing you have to navigate. But that was a big, that was definitely one. Another one is just like the logistics surrounding securing um, locations. Like uh, none of my locations cost a lot. I was Mm -hmm. really lucky in that way. But just getting people around, Mm -hmm. like getting people to different locations Making sure you have all your sh- with you, um, starting on time, getting your you know because I also organized the extras time arrivals and where they needed to be and confirmations and like you know making sure that everyone arrives on time in a city whose you know MTA is a piece of shit most of the time, um, and then knowing when to throw money at a problem like mm-hmm. okay well they're stuck at the platform down to blue blue okay here's sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. Go get them a cab or go whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I think people people outside of New York City don't understand no. that the reason, like the, the MTA thing is, it's <laughs> not that it doesn't work every day. Yeah, sure. It's that it's so consistent the majority of the time yeah. that when it doesn't work, it ruins like 400,000 people's lives. <laughs> like it's... Each train is responsible for hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. And so when like the one train on a Thursday morning for some reason is just not working, it's an entire like half of Manhattan that just is suddenly late. It's it's, it's not like a couple of people are late because the train's all the time. It's It's, half of the people who reside here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I walked, the train just, one train just stopped at 137. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I walked 20 blocks here. Or where are you? I'm 147th, yeah. Yeah, yeah like That's good to know for getting to work later. Yeah, um, uh, I think downtown might be fine. But again, probably shitty. Um, no, it, probably, it stops at 137 a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is a weird thing where it's like, all the trains are so It's like, no, like 400,000 <laughs> people are late for work right now. And that's insane And they're all frustrated yeah. and sweaty and hungry. And stuck in a and car. Angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, there's, and there, it, it's not cold out, but they're still blasting winter heat because it's February. <laughs> And so it's like 800,000 degrees in the or, subway car and everyone's wearing a full winter jacket. There's air conditioning, inexplicab- <laughs> inexplicably. I don't mind air conditioning in the winter. It's because you're a dude. No, it's because I I have, we're all layered up. And if I step on the car and I don't have to start taking all of my winter shit off. Oh, I'm constantly cold. We're just oh, different, yeah, yeah, yeah. different breeds. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I just find it, I just find it, like, I hate having to get on the subway and then take off my jacket and, like, hold my coat. I hear you. On the subway car yeah. while I'm just sweating profusely. While you're just pits yeah, are yeah, dripping yeah, yeah. with yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a cute look. Yeah, it's good, it's good. It smells great. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Spray a little Dove in there. Just get all mixed in. It'll be great. Um, so, uh, what was the casting process like? Um, Cause I'm, oh, go ahead. You probably, like, did you, were you able to pull from a lot of people you knew or were you looking for, like... TV, film, more experienced people in that world. I knew I wanted to cast Marissa, who plays um, Maggie, Ellie's best friend. Hilarious. I wrote that role, role for her. Very funny. Uh, one of my closest, dearest friends. She's an excellent actor. She's a comedian. Uh, when this, I was, her saying goodbye to the dog is a great oh, bit. When, well, when I wrote it, I couldn't see anyone else but her. Mm-hmm. And I, she, at least during the time I was writing... Um, she was traveling a lot, um, or really, really busy. And I was like, oh shit, I might not be able to get her. Mm-hmm. And so once I knew she could do it, I was like, 
Yes. So once she was there, I had an image of her. I knew how we worked together. I knew we could play off of each other well. And then I reached out to just corners of my world and put up casting notices, like on the Green Lounge, um, which is a film and TV collective of actors in New York. Um, Posted there, posted on Backstage. Um, I really wanted... I didn't care about getting specifically film and TV people, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you. Um, I made my series SAG. So I knew I wanted to have... I I knew I wanted to give opportunities to non-union members who wanted to get SAG. So I was immediately looking for people who weren't SAG who wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also knew, given SAG rules, that in every scene with a principal character, at least one person has to be SAG. So that sort of shaped a lot of my journey, but I got a lot of amazing submissions, and I it taught me a lot in casting right now, and it gave me an understanding as to why colorblind casting is so essential, mm-hmm. because I was begging, begging for minorities, um, non-binary, everyone. I was like, send me. I want to see more people. And I got a lot of amazingly talented people that I was like, I, I, I can't cast an entire cast of white people in this. Yeah. There are so many talented minorities that in the city that I was like, I want you on screen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were working. Um, but I ended up casting the people that I really felt strongest about and felt really confident in. Um, and I'm really happy with what we got and who we got. And people changed my mind about roles. Adam, who plays Lucas, I had a really specific specific image of what I wanted that character to look like. And I called in those people. And they read. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, maybe. And then Adam came in. Looks different than what I anticipated. Totally changed my mind about the character. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, you are Adam. You are Lucas. You're Lucas, 100%. Um so yeah, casting was really cool. It was really interesting. Yeah, I had I had a similar. I I, I was going to produce a short film with a roommate. Yeah. Uh, years ago, um, there was this parody of Jaws involving a ghost shark. It was it was dumb. Yeah. Um, but we put up you know I put up a casting notice yeah. when we were going into production, and there were two female parts. Yeah. They were both open to all ethnicities, and one was like the pretty girl, and then the you know because it's it's a parody. It was very yeah. like the writing was very. Um, broad yeah uh, let's say uh and then her best friend okay and uh i yeah i just didn't understand why all of the minority submissions were coming in under the best friend and all like the pretty girls were almost all oh, blonde all blonde and, and white. it was, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. or like like you know brunettes yeah in, like the more traditional yeah. pretty sense and it was just a very odd i was like nothing about what i wrote said that the pretty girl was a yeah. white girl yeah but there is something about the just the way that we think about it i guess or like the ingrained social structure of it to view it yeah um and so i reposted it and i wrote it differently i had to repost mine as well with and i changed it from open all ethnicities to yeah. like posting every ethnicity that actors yeah. access had yeah um and that changed uh, the demographic that submitted a little bit. Yeah. But it was still, yeah, it's, it was a very odd. It's a learning we process. We got so many good submissions too. And I then know. we just couldn't, we couldn't make it, we couldn't make it affordable and we yeah. couldn't make it work. And I felt yeah. bad because like all these people submitted these tapes and then it just didn't end up happening. I was like, I felt bad making them do all that work for literally, no one got cast because we didn't make the thing. But like, it's a good thing for people to stay involved in that way. Yeah, it, was, it was great. And like, but it was very eye opening to see like, Especially just to see how many people respond to those things. Because I'm always like, you know, so why am I not hearing? City, and then I got like 6,000 yeah. submissions yeah. for uh, the the female lead. And I was like, yeah. There's why? so like, many talented people in this freaking city. Yeah. It blows my mind. And I had to rewrite one of the role descriptions too because I was getting incredible people who were super talented. But in my mind, I saw this role as a person of color. And I was mm-hmm. like, I can't divide that out of my brain and one of the roles um liz <clears throat> played by renika williams she's in episode two mm-hmm. she's the cuddle session where yeah. we're tied on the eyes and <clears throat> and she came out of me re- reposting the description and i'm so glad mm-hmm. she submitted because she's exactly what i wanted mm-hmm. 
Two and T. Yeah. Um, so you finished the filming. You got it all done. Yes. You managed to get into all your spaces. Yes. Uh, what was the editing process like? Because um, you didn't edit it, did you? I worked with an editor named Tashima Brennan, who is mm-hmm. incredible. Um, I had you had you ever edited video before? No. So what what coming at it as a first time yeah. thing with so much to edit, like yeah. eight episodes is a lot of work. Yeah. What was that like experience like? Well, she so Tashima is an excellent technician. She's mm-hmm. a great editor. She has a really good eye. She understands story really well. Um, I had really specific vision of what I wanted certain parts of each episode to look like. Mm-hmm. And so flat out, out of the gate, I was like, I gave her the drives and I was like, okay, this, I want this, this, I want this, this, I want this. And, but most of it, I just gave to her to see what happened. And I got back, we, we did a lot of incarnations of, especially of episode one. Um, and she just kind of took my notes and created what she and intuited the notes and created what she saw from them. Mm-hmm. And if things weren't right, we worked together on it. Um, over email, I was like, you know, at minute 28, minute 340, this needs to happen. Um, and she just took the note and created it. And yeah, so I personally, I'm in an editing course right now. I'm learning how to do this because mm-hmm. I, I know exactly what I want. Um, but I don't know the facilities mm-hmm. of it. So I'm, I'm anxious to learn the technicalities of it. But Tashima is just a real... She's just excellent at what she does. And um, we kind of worked together. I communicated with her what I wanted. And then she was given free reign to do what she wanted on certain parts. And so, yeah. That's kind of how that wall went down. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what was surprising to you about the editing process? Uh, how long things take. I... Oh my gosh. You can ask Kyle. I was so anxious, like so anxious for it to be done. So anxious for things to be, you know, at a point where I could incorporate sound design, um, moving on to the next steps. And it just takes time. It takes so much longer than you think, especially when you're self-producing because in order to pay the people I need to pay, I have to have the money to pay them. Mm -hmm. And so for people's work, I can't say, I need you to do 30 hours of this and I'll pay you in two months. Like, I need to have the money for these people. Um, And so it just takes so much longer than you anticipate. And I have so much respect for the background work that goes into this. Post-production is so intense. And I I mean, we only did post-production for two episodes. And I was like, oh, like it, it's so much more than you anticipate. But it gives you such an appreciation for a finished product and for the journey that each thing takes and um, knowing that like the baby plant's going to grow, but you got to give it sunlight and you have to give it water and that takes time, you know? Yeah. Uh, Video editing made me, because I do it a lot now for my like audition video service that I do. And a little plug. I have... Yeah, a little, if you, if you want to hire me, please do. Uh, I have new cameras. Yeah! I know. That's amazing. I, I, my restaurant job allowed me to buy a lot of Thank equipment. Thank you, Becco. Right? Thank you, Becco. Um, and my credit card. Thank you, Discover. Um, Discover. Uh, video editing made me realize that there's no movie that I don't like anymore. Like, I don't walk into, the, I don't walk into any movie anymore and think that it's bad. That's I, really interesting. I, I used to laugh. Um, Kevin Smith wow, is a famous yeah. lover of everything. Yeah. He never has a negative opinion about anything. And I, I totally agree with him on everything now. Yeah. Because I walk into, I walk out of movies that I get why people think they're bad. Yeah. And I'm like, look at all the work that so many so people did. You know what That's I mean? That's a really beautiful thing. I mean, in one way, it removes some possibly necessary criticism Mm -hmm. but in another way you're able to see the supreme achievement of these things i I don't think i'm not critical i there's definitely things i'm critical of you know people who listen to the podcast know yeah like you know there were parts of the lego movie that i didn't like yeah but there were parts of it i didn't like but i liked the movie yes you know what i mean and see the overall picture yeah Yeah. and and honestly like i'm at a point now where i've made enough stuff where if one scene is really good yeah if they can manage to make one really successful scene i'm like this whole thing was worth it yeah yeah, you worked hard and that scene was killer yeah 
There, there are movies even where I'm like, oh my god, the way that that musical transition happened yeah. is so cool. Yeah. That this two-hour experience of my life is worth it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You start to see the, the technical achievements. That's a really beautiful thing. But it's yeah. hard for me to hate anything because I'm like, oh man, so many people spent so much time. Oh, it's such... And it makes you... Now when movies close, even shows, now when you're like, oh my god, they put money and time and effort mm-hmm. and exhaustive hours into creating this and now someone has told them that it's not good enough like that's painful and i mean i haven't seen a movie since cuddle Mm -hmm. happened um that it's not on netflix that i haven't watched nine times um but yeah i'm anxious maybe that'll happen to me i'm gonna now i'm gonna see how i feel if i watch a movie coming up it's very different, especially yeah. when you start editing your own stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh my god, <laughs> you, like your eye starts to twitch <laughs> you start over. To glitch out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it, it it definitely changes the way you look at yeah. this. Could imagine that very well. Um, so that was a long process, but long you process. you did it. You you premiered it. It happened. And then the we are recording this on Friday, so this won't oh. go up until Wednesday. Okay, that's great. always it, Wednesday at five o'clock. Great. Trying Aww. to stay consistent. Oh, yes. Uh, this would be episode 17. Tight. Amazing. Congrats. Yeah. Um, you're my second interview. Thank you. Aw. Um, and uh, you, it, so we were recording this on Friday, though. And yeah. so the first episode went up last night? First and second episode oh, are okay. online on So Vimeo. the two that I saw at yes. the premiere. Um, they're under you're... my name, Savannah Frazier. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to continue two episodes a week for four weeks? Or... So we only recorded the first two. We only made the first two. So eight have been written. Two were made. Oh, so you've only, you've only yes. shot two episodes. Yeah. We're pitching, we're pitching what we have to Amazon Web Fest, to producers and to a production company to make the rest. But we knew at the end of it, after I looked at how much money we spent, I said, I could make the remaining six, and it wouldn't look this good. Mm-hmm. Or I can have two really strong, professional-looking episodes mm-hmm. to garner funds and attention from someone who can assist us. So totally, we have we're, we applied for some writing grants. So one of the grants would give us fifteen thousand dollars, which would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And really, truthfully, we only need twenty grand to make the rest. But mm-hmm. it's a lot. Only twenty thousand. Only twenty thousand dollars. Um, why Vimeo? I, I always I always find where yeah. people put their stuff so interesting because there's so many choices these totally days. Yeah. Um, Vimeo, honestly, is just a comfort for me. I've uploaded a lot on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm used to it. I'm accustomed to it. I think the layout's really smart. Uh, I like what they do. They market really well. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think they're like a good platform for multimedia. Mm-hmm. YouTube has never interested me. I think it for this, I don't know that it's the right thing mm-hmm. just for me. I get that. Um, I don't necessarily think web series is the best place for YouTube. Yeah. Or is YouTube is the best place for web series. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it's more of a sketch. Yes. It's sketch comedy. Although lately it's all videos. long form. That's what's successful. So yeah, Shane Dawson is making these two hour conspiracy videos. It's so interesting. It's weird. It's a um, shift. Yeah. So Vimeo just felt comfortable to me. Um, and then the goal, the hope is that Amazon Web Fest will take us on and mm-hmm. then we'll be part of their web series. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's the journey we're on. It's nice to have a, a like a strategy moving forward. Yes, and I felt like good about I, I I struggled with the idea of not completing the, the remaining six, but Kyle also was like Kyle and my parents sort of you know put it to me plainly and they're like Would you rather have Would you like to have incongruent videos where the first two are extremely well made, beautiful visually, and then you just kind of make the remaining six to have them, or do you want a congruent body of work. And I was like, for my OCD brain and potentially for other people's OCD brains, like I want it to look the same, you know, or extremely close to it. Mm-hmm. So, or better, you know, or maybe, better. You yeah. Know. I mean, ideally better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ideally you get a little yeah. bit of money. You're able to, you know, please Jesus. Right. Jeebus. Buy a dolly, maybe some. Yeah. <laughs> dolly would be tight. I love a dolly. Right. And one Christmas of those present. steady cam vests. Oh my god, my DP had it. And I was like, "This is tight." Yeah, I yeah. want one. It's really cool. I don't need one. Like, I yeah. I truly do not need one. Yeah, I mean, just to wear around. All I do is tripod shoots. Yeah. right now, but I kind of just want one. You feel a little bit like a transformer. It's yeah, cool. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. I want to be a superhero. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's so fun. So, uh, I I thought I I thought it was going to be coming out week to week. You're I wish. you're done. 
We're done. For now. We're done You're now. in like the waiting. We're in the waiting. We're in the pitching. We're in the... I mean, I'm giving myself a solid week off mm-hmm. to not do a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've pitched already to a couple grants. So mm-hmm. the hope is that we can reconvene several months and get this baby started again. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, how important are... So like... It's not like you're looking for season two or something. You're yeah. you're you're waiting for grants. Do that, does that process matter with views and stuff like that? Do they care if people are seeing it? Uh some do, some don't. Mm-hmm. We have eight episodes written and a storyboard for season two. Mm-hmm. So typically, at least in my experience with what I've had so far, um, I they have to see the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. So it, it's helpful to have a visual for them because also with film writing doesn't always convey. Obviously, it doesn't always convey the ultimate yeah. visual or the ultimate end product. But, um, yeah, it's actually, there's so many writing grants. Oh, yeah, it's insane. I didn't realize, I think I was a little naive about that going in. Uh, I thought it was kind of like a fantasy that I might be able to apply for some of these. But they really just want to see writing samples, storyboard, um, obviously synopsis, character breakdowns, mm-hmm. kind of your like mission statement. Um, it's pretty simple. Well, and, and I mean, there's so many that people hire people to yeah. write their grant proposals. Yeah. Like that's a huge business. Oh my God. Which is so weird to yeah. me. Uh, people make money off the crazy things. Yeah. You can make money off anything. Yeah. You can make money off cuddling with people. You can cuddle people. You... Oh, money. <laughs> <laughs> Have you thought about like, do you, would you ever be a cuddler? I thought about or it a cuddlist for a bit. or whatever the word is. Um, I find it fascinating. I acknowledge what it does i would need to do a lot of work in myself i think for vulnerability i just didn't realize that on stage i just feel so vulnerable and on screen i feel vulnerable but wow it takes a very particular person i'm also i'm sort of old school where i'm like physical touch to me is is very relationship bound Mm -hmm. um and so not that i couldn't do it i think anyone with an open heart and a love of people can definitely do it I think if it interests you, you should look it up and check it out. Um, but couples do it. Married couples do it. You know, it's it's a whole booming business of really amazing, gifted people who want to help people. I wonder though. I wonder if that's if there are people who you know, like I imagine, yeah. like not quite the same level as like a porn star yeah. having struggles in their relationship. But what it's like to like have someone come home and tell you yeah. about all the people they laid in bed with that day. Yeah, like that's a weird. It. And isn't it amazing that there is a place for that? Like, mm-hmm. there are people who can compartmentalize and not even compartmentalize because some people work that way. For mm-hmm. them, physical touch is not strictly sexual or romantic. It's their love language. Exactly. So it's like, I just, I'm I'm always fascinated by the capacity for humans and like how many different versions mm-hmm. of people there are, you totally. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe one day. I don't know. I'm enjoying playing a professional cuddler. Maybe I'll end up being one. I don't know. Season two has a little surprise going on for a little surprise. We got some more professional cuddlers coming out for the oh, woodwork. No. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really, I, I would love, I, I would love for the storyline to just be like the sharks and the jets, but it's like cuddlers who these like cuddlers who are fighting over clients. Someone gets stabbed. It's a many it's like world the out most- there, bro. <laughs> they're like the nicest, most vulnerable yeah. people to everyone except other except cuddlers. Except to other cuddlers, and they're vicious. That's actually a great short. All right, log that away. Yeah, but that, that's like the sketch version. I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know totally how that would fit in with the <laughs> season two. Is just like the the clown uh, life in living color. Yeah, What's yeah. it called? In living color yeah, yeah. version of cuddle. Yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, it's gonna be great. Stay tuned. Yeah. It just turns into like the battles from uh, the Anchorman movies where everyone yes! comes out. Yes. I rewatched that the other day and it just, it's so good. It's still good. It stands the up. test of time, man. It's only been 15 years. Really? Right. <laughs> I'm old. Savannah, did you, did you cuddle that guy to death? I yeah. think I did, yeah. I think I killed him. I th- cuddled him. My eye contact just overwhelmed him <laughs> and he passed out dead. He died of vulnerability. He died of, hey! It could happen. I, I don't think it could. Uh, yeah, it couldn't. I, I think the only vulnerability you can die from is like how vulnerable your skin is to oh, penetration by yeah. sharp like objects. Fire. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fire. Yeah. It's a bad way to die. Not the cuddling is like getting set on fire. Oh, wow. Okay. What a journey. <laughs> what a journey. 
I think I think that's the best place to end this. <laughs> Just talking about death by uh, uh, inferno. <clears throat> well, thank you for coming in. Thank you so much. I really for appreciate me. it. Uh, if you, you want to see Cuddle, it's online everywhere. Yes. Uh, on and Vimeo. by everywhere, I mean one place. Um, Vimeo it's on Vimeo and Facebook. You can find us on Facebook. Facebook. I'll put it up on all of the nerdy nightly socials and Instagram. Cuddle Instagram. underscore series. Oh, that underscore. Very important. Did you ever think about underscores as a child? Never. I know, like Didn't modern, know they existed. I, I'm, modern children do, but like for our generation, I I had not ever heard of an underscore until MySpace. It wasn't niche yet. Yeah, yeah. And then people were like, oh, I need an underscore. That's or so Google weird, does Google doesn't let you do an underscore. They do the period. You yeah. have a period in the middle of yeah. your. Oh, I hate it. I'm like, just let us underscore. Let's That's just the have thing. An now. Underscore thing. It's a space. It's a physical space. Give me that. Give me that space. All right. Well, thanks, Savannah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, go on all the nerdy nightly socials or Savannah socials. What's your What's your social plug? Plug. How do people find you? So me personally, it's a case of you, like the Joni Mitchell song on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Savannah Noel, my middle name N O E L L E. Savannah spelled like the city. And yeah, YouTube. You can find me in my one woman show if you want. Savannah Frazier under YouTube. All right. Well, thank you for coming in. Thank you. Um, I will see you around the city because it's small. It's a small place. And uh, (laughs) thanks for listening, guys. Do something nerdy tonight. Bye-bye. Bye.